0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program, and thank you again for joining us during this incredible holiday season. We want to wish you, first of all, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year as we come into a brand new year. We're thankful for all that the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Uh, before I even get started uh, today, let me just say thank you from the bottom of our heart, from everybody at Lenhouse Ministries, and uh, our team here, we want to say thank you for your support and your help, and even watching and sharing these videos on your social media platforms and so forth. We just signed the contracts uh, to be on uh, for another year. Uh, we begin our 13th year of being on national television, and we have aired somewhere around, 600 to 700 programs so far in 13 years, and your faithful support has helped us to continue to reach the masses. We would just challenge you that if you've not become a partner and you'd like to help us to to please do that, we do need your help. You can go to my website at linhiles.com. There's a place where you can give or you can, uh, you know, even become a monthly partner. But more than that, I just want to say a big thank you from the bottom of our hearts. You have enabled us to reach the masses with the gospel of His grace and the gospel of the kingdom. So thank you from the bottom of our heart. I want to continue our study today. We started last week dealing with the 12th chapter of the book of, uh, of Romans. And uh, we, we, we started talking about being living sacrifices. I'm going to read it again, and we're going to try to pick up a little bit more. I try, you know, it's amazing to me how quick 30-minute program can go by, and it just seemed like uh, I get going like a freight train towards the end of it, trying to push it in. But uh, we want to come back and, and and hit this again. But I'm going to read to you uh, first of all from the New King James, and then we're going to come back and read some some things here in uh, in in the Message Bible. But it says, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God." that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more hardly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt with, to each one of us, a measure of faith. Now let me just stop here and begin to rebuild this again, because the difference, what I want, he's showing you here in the twelfth chapter of Romans, is the difference between conformed and being transformed. When I think about the difference between conformed and being transformed, and like I said last week on the program, we used to preach this from the viewpoint, be not conformed to this world, of course, whatever your concept of this world is, that's what we try not to be conformed to. So we used to think, well, that means you can't go to your high school prom. That means you can't watch TV. That means you can't dress in certain ways. It means for women, they can't wear makeup and joy. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff when we were talking about. You're being conformed to this world, and you know, you know and but that's not what he's when he's talking. The, the world they were being conformed to, the world of conformity was the world that Paul has been talking about all the way through the book of Romans, and that is the world of Judaism, and the world of legalism, and the world of the Old Covenant. That world was a world full of conformity that never produced heart transformation. See, if you conform, it's because you take a set of legislative rules and you force someone to behave. It's almost like, you know, your parents tell you, you're going to sit in that uh, chair until you know, until I, I tell you, you can get up. And that child's sitting there saying, well, I'm sitting down only in, outside, but I'm not inside, I'm standing up. Well, see, that, that, that's conformity. That's not transformation. What transformation is, is whenever you start to respond out of your heart being changed, and the heart can only be changed through grace. Grace is a divine influence on the heart with a reflection in the life. So God's goodness leads us to repentance, and we saw that in, earlier in the book of Romans. But what he's simply saying is, is when we come to God, we we need to come to Him in this new covenant paradigm, as not coming to say, okay, I got saved, now give me the rules. No, it's I come to God and I present myself to Him and say, here I am, Lord, I'm yours. Let the Spirit of God do the work in me and transform me by the renewing of my mind. And here's why, I think this will help somebody. Because what happens is, is the moment you get saved, everything in your life has changed spiritually, but there are still areas of your life that God is working transformation in. Anybody that's been a Christian for any length of time realizes that he's still working on me. My son was talking the other day about when he was growing up and kind of being a little bit rebellious about singing that song, he's still working on me to make me who I ought to be. And so, you know, he, 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 he works on us through our relationship. One of the things that transformed, I love, you know, again, I wrote a book, uh, uh, here. you can get it through our website or Amazon or whatever, but uh, Unforced Rhythms of Grace, uh, where in the Message Bible, in Matthew 11, Jesus says, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Walk with me. Work with me. See how I do it. You'll recover your life. I will teach you the unforced rhythm of grace. Now, I've thrilled, thrilled many a crowd by talking about the unforced rhythm of grace, but the key here is, he said, walk with me, work with me, see how I do it. He says, this is a unique father son relationship, but I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to go over it line by line with you, to anyone who will listen. And I think if we'll listen to him, what we don't realize is the gospel is not just about, if you behave here, you get to go to heaven. That's part of the package, but your behavior is not what gets you to heaven. It's the blood of Jesus and your salvation that gets you to heaven. But what we miss in the whole point of the gospel is, you'll recover your life. In other words, you get your life back because when you walk with Him, You work with Him in relationship. He goes over this father-son relationship with us line by line and teaches us the unforth rhythm of grace. Even when I have been at my lowest, He still doesn't forsake me. I continue to instead of run from Him like Adam did in a garden, saying, I'm naked, I'm afraid, And I'm ashamed and I need to hide. See, that's what legalism and the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil will do to you. It makes you say, I'm naked, I'm ashamed, I just need to hide from God. And you watch people that don't want to come to the house of God when their lives are a wreck. It's because they're afraid to come into the presence of God because they think they're going to be exposed for their naked and their shame and they're going to be just told how bad they are. My deal is simply this. I think what God was saying to them is, God pursued Adam. When Adam was running from him, God pursued him and says, Adam, where are you? And he says, God, I knew I was naked. God said, who told you that? In other words, God was wanting to get him to the point where instead of even in his brokenness and even in his fallenness, that he, instead of running from God, he would run to God. Here's what I think we need to realize is the church is a hospital for broken people. And God loves broken people. And the reason God loves broken people is because broken people is all there is. But what the real gospel does is it doesn't just try to get you to conform, it brings you into this vital relationship that's full of supply where God says, listen, I'm not going to bring you into a place of conformity where you just have to listen to all these bunches of rules. I'm going to bring you into a place of transformation where my influence on your heart is going to transform your heart. And you you need to go back and watch last week's program to see how the heart was exposed in Hebrews the fourth chapter under a climate of rest and freedom is the heart is revealed so that it it is a discerner between the thought and intent of the heart so that we're naked and open before the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. But instead of running from God, we can still run to Him and not be able to uh, just continue in that lifestyle, but then find that we have a faithful high priest who was touched in all the feelings of our infirmities so that he's able to help me through the temptations and weaknesses that I'm going through. But in the process of that, it's not he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me when I behave, he don't love me when I don't behave. No, he loves you. He wants the best for you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you and transform your life so that you can recover your life. And remember I said last week, even Romans 5 says that more than just get us out of trouble, He got us into a life. What we miss the point of the Gospel is that Jesus said... He said, I came that you might have life, that's the name of our TV program, and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus came to give you back the life that He ultimately intended for all of us to have, and the glory that He wanted for us, and that would be through uh, the influence upon the heart that would transform us. So how does that happen? I present my body as a living sacrifice. I come just as I am and I say, Lord, here I am. You take me and you do the work in me and I'm going to yield to your voice and become obedient to the faith. And that's what you're looking for instead of sacrifice. You're not looking for bulls and goats, but the sacrifice of presenting myself a living sacrifice and saying, here I am, take me, I'm yours, and I want you to transform my life. Now let me go back and look, we dealt with this a little bit last week, but I want to really develop this a little bit further, because Psalm 50 was a message that I preached at my home church a few weeks back. And I, I titled it, What If God Should Get Hungry? And here's the verses, Psalm 50 says, The Mighty One, God the Lord has spoken, and called the earth from the rising of the sun, to its going down. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous all around about him. I could take a long time and probably tell you that out of Zion the perfection of beauty has shined. And contrast that in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, with Zion being a type of the New Covenant. Because in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, he says, for you did not come to blackness and darkness. You did not come to fear and trembling. You did not come to a God who said, if you touch the edge of the mountain, you'll be thrust through with the dark. That was Mount Sinai. That was the Old Covenant. But the next verse says, but you are come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. So it's out of Zion that God has caused the perfection of beauty to shine. In other words, the revelation of what the new covenant does is it shows you who God has made you on the basis of His work. In other words, He has given to us the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace so that we can reign in life by one Christ Jesus, so that out of Zion the perfection of beauty has shined. In other words, we come to know in the old covenant told you what was wrong with you and who you are not, and it continued to steal your identity. But the new covenant shows you who you are in Christ as a new creature, not just an old sinner saved by grace, but now once you were darkness, but now are you light, and you have been transformed, and the more you renew your mind with that truth of what is true of you in Christ because of His finished work, that you were crucified with Christ, you died with Him, you were buried with Him. That's what happened to who you used to be at Adam. But who you are now, you've been quickened with Him, you've been raised with Him, and you're right now seated with Him in the heavenly places. That's who you are now. And if you can renew your mind with that kind of thinking, it will transform you, and you will see the expression flow outward into manifestation. So out of Zion, the perfection of beauty has shined. It doesn't, the, the, the new covenant tells you who you are. The old covenant tells you who you're not. The old covenant points out your problem, and the New Covenant points out your position. Now let me come on down. He said, He shall call to the heavens from above. I talked about how the fire devours before Him, and it's very tempestuous all about, about Him. And I talked about how the prophet, you know, was in the cave, and, and God came by, and or, or, or there came a, a wind that rent the rocks. God wasn't in the wind. There came a fire. God wasn't in the fire. And then there came an earthquake, and God wasn't in the fire. But then there came a still small voice, And I think the reason that God wasn't in all of that, I think there's a lot of stuff that happens in our life that we blame God for that's not God. It's because we're like the prophet that runs and hides in the cave and says, I'm the only one left and and take my life now. And what happens is, is that all the shaking that goes on in our lives are not because God did it. God wasn't in the wind, God wasn't in the fire, and God wasn't in the earthquake. But now what what happens is, is once the fire, the earthquake, and the wind come through. Now everything has silenced to the point where your ear is tuned to the still small voice. Maybe God's shaking some stuff in your life so you can hear him far more clearly. Or let me say let me replace it. Maybe God is allowing some things that you've got yourself into to shake, rattle and roll until you get a clarity of what God really is saying to you. He goes on to say he shall call to the heavens from above Psalm 50 and to the earth that He may judge His people. Gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Let the heavens declare His righteousness, for God Himself is Judge, Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds. For every beast of the field is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills already belongs to me. I I know all the fowls of the mountain are mine, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, if I was hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine, and all its fullness. While I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats, offer to God thanksgiving, and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you and glorify you. Now he's, he's indicting, uh, Israel, and he's saying to them, you know what, you've got this religious stuff down. You've got your 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 new moons, your sacrifices, your feasts, your divers washings, your broad phylacteries, your long prayers. And he goes on to say, but if I was hungry for that, it was never about the blood of bulls or goats, because if I was hungry for that, all the Beast, all the, the cattle on the thousand hills already belong to me. If I needed a bull or a goat, I don't need to ask you. All the thousand on the mountain are already mine. Even when it comes to offerings and what we give in offerings, it's not because God needs your money, because he already owns all the treasures. But what he's looking for, as we will see here, is he's looking for somebody who will walk in a heart transformation of what they offer is because it's in their heart to do so and because they are becoming obedient. See, he says in, uh, in, uh, let let me see, he he says in 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 15, verse 22, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? For behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken is better than the fat of rams. So God wasn't just looking for It was never about the blood of bulls and goats. God put something in the theater of our human expression to where we could obey Him and do what He was asking us to do, but what He was really looking for was a heart of thanksgiving and praise and a heart that we could be connected. In other words, it was never about the rituals. We've reduced everything, Sometimes I think to rituals when God is looking for something that flows from the heart. Jeremiah also said chapter 7, For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. But now let me tell you that he comes over into the new covenant, and he says this, Hebrews 10, verse 1 through 10, it says, Or the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offered continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. So in other words, the, the blood of bulls and goats could not make anybody complete or perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, for the worshiper once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Therefore when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have had no pleasure." Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified to the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all." And then he comes into, uh, uh, you know, and, and begins to say, now here's what I'm looking for. And everything that he was looking for in Psalm 50, obedience, uh, a, a, a sacrifice that could could pr- produce something. He said, in, 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 for the law had a shadow of those things, but not the very image. So Jesus comes on the scene and says, You have had no pleasure in these blood of bulls and goats. They never made anybody perfect. In other words, it never transformed hearts. Then He said, lo, I come to do your will of God. What was God looking for? He wanted somebody to be obedient. Jesus became obedient to the death of the cross, so that when I bring my thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ, yes, that can be listening and obeying His voice and walking it out. I believe that is part of it. But I believe second, I mean first of all, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ is me coming to an understanding that it was His obedience, when I bring every thought into captivity, it was His obedience that made me perfect. It was His obedience that made me righteous. It was His obedience not the blood of bulls and goats and sacrifices that could, could never uh, uh, purge the sinner, but that it was his obedience that he said, I came to do your will of God. Then, and he did the will of God. And when he did the will of God, that sacrifice satisfied every demand that the old covenant could make so that when I look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, as I go down in Hebrews the 10th chapter, he said, for one offering has he perfected forever them that are sanctified and He sanctified us by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So when I see what Jesus did through the obedience to become the ultimate sacrifice by obeying God to the very point of death, He became obedient even to the death of the cross, that it was His obedience that now made me acceptable, and now what I do is I become, according to the Scriptures here, I become obedient to the faith. In other words, I start becoming obedient to what is true about me, because of what Jesus did in His obedience to present me to God without fault or without blemish, because of the ultimate sacrifice of what He did, that's what God is hungry for. As He's looking for somebody who, first of all, sees the obedience of Christ and what that produced to put me in a position of realizing that I've been perfected, that I've been sanctified, that I'm the righteousness of God, and now I simply present my body as a living sacrifice and say, okay, live your life through me. Because, you know, the gospel is simply this, Jesus gave His life for me, but then He gave His life to me. And if I've got any sense at all, I will let Him live His life through me. Romans the first chapter, verses 5-6, through six, for through Him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations, for His name among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. In the New Covenant we are also required to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, not on the level of being conformed, but on the level of being transformed. And so, you know, uh, let me, let me get this verse as well, and we'll kind of come back in another translation on our next program. But Isaiah, again, God begins to challenge them again about their sacrifices. But this is Isaiah chapter 1, verses 11 through 23. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations, incense as an abomination to me. The new moons and the sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with it. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons, your appointed feast, my soul loatheth, or hateth. They are a trouble unto me, I am very weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil doing of your doings from mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as wolf. You be willing and obedient... You eat the good of the land, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now let me just say again that he's challenging an old covenant Israel by saying, all of this stuff that you're doing, all of these rituals that become just rituals, are nothing like I'm looking for. I'm looking for something that flows from the heart. Let me say it like this. If you give, uh, if you give tithe or offerings because you feel like God is going to beat you up if you don't do it. You're being conformed. But if you walk, I see, I would rather someone walk up to an offering plate and give, not because they have to, or because we've put some kind of an old covenant requirement on them, but because they want to bring something to God and offer it that comes out of the heart. And I think Jesus saw that with the widow who gave more than all of them, even though it was just two mites, because she gave something from her heart. See, I think what God is looking for is our hearts. If He gets our hearts, He'll get everything else. If God gets your heart, He'll get your wallet. He'll get your performance. He'll get all of that right. But what He simply, and then He he does again what I shared with you in the last segment, is He brings it back again to worship to the level of how we treat one another in verse 17. Learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. How you treat one another, is elevated to the same level of worship as all of these ceremonial things that we think we do. I think there's a lot of people who go to church every week and they think they're justified because, okay, I did my duty. I came on Sunday morning, I said the prayers, I celebrated the, the Supper of the Lord, uh, I, I gave my tithe. And so we make those rituals uh, something, then we go out and treat people at the restaurant like dirt bags, and we don't represent, nor do we manifest the nature of Christ as the outworking of the transformation of our heart. In other words, out of the heart is where uh, the issues of life issue from the heart. So if God can transform and change the heart, your behavior will follow. What we've tried to do is put the uh, the cart before the horse and try to change behavior before we change the heart. And what we've done is got a lot of people who got their act together, but it's just an act, and God is not interested in and actors. He's interested in authentic, real Christianity. I believe we're coming to a place where we're going to take the mask off. Say, this is me, better or worse. There's areas of my life that's broken. There's areas of my life that need transformed. But what I'm going to do is present my body as a living sacrifice and say, here I am, Lord. I'm yours. Change me from the inside out. Like a caterpillar that changes from the inside out and becomes a butterfly That's what transformation is about, not from something external, but inside out. We're out of time again this week. If you'd like to sow a seed into the ministry to help us to uh, continue doing this with uh, television, simply go to the website. There is a link where you can give via our PayPal portal where you give through your credit card or debit card. You can send a check or money order that will come up on the address on the screen. Write it to Len Ministries. Or you can call the number that will come on the screen. Someone will take your call. If you don't get an answer, leave a message, and someone from my team will return your call. And we ask you to do that today. We need your help. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am.